You're listening to audio from Parkview Church in Iowa City, Iowa. If you'd like to learn more about Parkview, find more resources, or give to our ministry, please visit parkviewchurch.org. It is now my great honor to introduce Bob Blinko as our guest speaker for this morning as we celebrate our global outreach weekend. Bob became a Christian while he was a student on the campus of the University of Oregon in 1970. Compelled by the call of Jesus, Bob got to work sharing the good news about Jesus with his fellow students. And it's clear that that encounter left a deep impression on Bob as the trajectory of his life took him further and further to share the good news of Jesus with others. As time passed, Bob served as a pastor, then as a missionary in the Middle East, After leaving the mission field due to a civil unrest, the plight of those still present led to the start of a nonprofit organization called Friends of the Kurds in Seattle in the late 90s. Bob then went on to lead a mission agency called Frontiers, helping Parkview and countless other churches as we make whole disciples and play our part in making whole disciples of Jesus, even among the nations who are far from God. Bob eventually transitioned to leading the U.S.-focused part of Frontiers called Frontiers U.S. Bob and his wife Jan now live in Arizona and continue to serve Jesus with the same passion that was ignited all those years ago when Bob heard the words of John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Parkview, would you join me in welcoming Mr. Bob Blinko to the stage. So good to have you here. Thank you, Pastor Bart. Morning, Parkview. Thank you for your partnership in the gospel. Wonderful to be here with with you on Missionary Sunday. I'm going to read the gospel passage this morning in another language, the Kurdish language. Uh, There were no believers when we arrived in northern Iraq, and no music, no scriptures. And what do you do when the first believers come to faith? We set them to translating the Gospel of John, and this is the first book of the Bible ever translated into the Kurdish language. I'll read the passage in in Kurdish, line by line, and Pastor Mark has agreed to translate it back into English. What do you think about that? (laughs) Mizginya Yohanna. The Gospel of John. Pishkidahe. Chapter 10. Charda Hatta Shazda. Verses 14 through 16. Isaiah Gut. Jesus said, As Shivan Basham, I am the good shepherd. Wo as Barthet Chudanyasam, I know my own. Wo Barthet Menjimin Dinyasen, and my own know me. Wo Akubab Mendinyaset, just as the Father knows me. Wo as Wei Dinyasam, and I know the Father. Wo as Jiana Chudabera Barthet Chuda Debam. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice. So there shall be one flock, one shepherd. Thank you, Pastor Mark. We believe in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. 
God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself and giving us the ministry of reconciliation, not counting men's sins against them. We are therefore, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. I urge be reconciled to God. We believe in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16. Paul to the church in Corinth, we did make it as far as you, but with your help, we're going to the regions beyond. We do believe in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, 14 to 16. But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphant procession and through us spreads everywhere the knowledge of the fragrance of him. What do you think? Second Corinthians is filled with missionary texts. It's a great commission text after all. We believe in Galatians chapter 1, where Paul explains his own mission. God set me apart before I was born and called me through his grace in order that I might preach him among the unreached peoples. I'm going to use the word unreached peoples in place of Gentiles this morning. We believe in Galatians chapter 3, verse 8. The scriptures foresaw that God would justify the unreached peoples. When he preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, all nations will be blessed through you. We believe in Galatians chapter 3, 13b and 14. Christ has redeemed us so that the blessings given to Abraham might also come to the unreached peoples. What do you think? The book of Galatians is a missionary book filled with references to the Great Commission. I'm thinking of the book of Ephesians starting at chapter 3, verse 1. <clears throat> for this reason I, Paul, am a prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles. For surely you have heard of the Great Commission of God that was given to me for you. For though I am the very least of the saints, this grace has been given to me to bring to the unreached peoples the knowledge of the, freight of the fathomless riches of Christ. What do you think? Ref Ephesians is full of references to the unreached peoples. Maybe we could study the Bible and find out if there is a golden thread wending its way through all the chapters of all the books of the Bible, bringing about what could be the main point of the entire scriptures that God is taking back his planet, one people at a time, until all the peoples of the world are presented to him at the book of Revelation. What do you think? Might that not be the greatest story ever scrolled? What if that is, in fact, the big one? The big one. Our text this morning was from John chapter 10. I have other sheep that are not of this fold. Do you hear in this the Great Commission? I must bring them also. This is where history is moving to. They too must hear my voice. This is our Lord Jesus Christ talking to the believers of his day. Now we bring it to the believers of our day here at, at Parkview. I want to speak to the young people today and ask you to give up your smaller ambitions and go east to preach the gospel. I know we have to take back the night in Iowa City, but I plead the blood of Jesus Christ for the peoples of India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, who are without hope and without God, and without a single light of the gospel through the witness of the God's people. We have to confront the brutal facts. In the state of Iowa, there are 24 churches for every McDonald's. If you add the Starbucks in, there are still 10 times as many churches as all the McDonald's and Starbucks combined. There has to be a bigger vision for the people of God than to turn 10 into 11. I 
plead the blood of Jesus Christ for the great humanity between Baghdad and Basra, 30 million Arab people without a single witness of the gospel. It can't end like that, not with the promises of God, not with the great texts of the Psalms. Psalm 22, verses 27 and 28, all the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord, for all the families of the earth belong to Him. And then the great Psalm, first 67, chapter 67 of the Psalms, was there ever a Psalm more capturing the entirety of God's great commission for the people that are His? May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us so that thy name may be known on the earth, thy salvation among all peoples. Let the peoples praise thee, O God. Let all the unreached peoples praise thee. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For thou rulest the people justly, and you guide the nations of the earth. Let the peoples praise thee, O God. Let all the peoples praise thee. Then God, our God, will bless us. God will bless us and all the ends of the earth will fear him. Do you hear the quiet ping of what God said to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12? Then God said to Abraham, leave your father and mother and go to the place that I will show you, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and I will give you all these lands. I will bless those who bless you, and those who curse you I will curse, and you will be a blessing to all the families of the earth. And Abraham believed what God said and went out to the land of Canaan. This is repeated four times in the book of Genesis. Blessed to be a blessing to all the families of the earth. Blessed to be a blessing to all the families of the earth. It is too small a thing, Isaiah says in chapter 49, verse 6 through 9. It is too small a thing for you to restore the tribes of Jacob and uh, recover the tribes of Israel that I have kept. I will make you as a light to the Gentiles, that the unreached peoples, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Paul quotes that twice in Galatians 3.11 and in 2 Corinthians and in the book of Acts. What if this is the big one? What if it is, is, has been God's great commission to the people of God ever since Adam and Eve were blessed in the garden and told to multiply and subdue the earth? What if the devil ruined our families right at the first? But it didn't end like that. Or God rebuilt his great commission people in, in Genesis chapter 12 and repeated in Genesis 18, 18 and 22, 4 and 24, 6 and 28, 14 and 15. Blessed to be a blessing to all the families of the earth, this great cadence which runs through all the books of the Bible until we might realize that if it were held up by the angels in a great scroll, we would know that there is a golden thread wending its way through all the books of the Bible leading to us. May I have the first slide, please? Oh, the next slide. That's my wife. She's here with me today. Once a year, the Jewish people roll out the entire scroll of the Torah. It happens the first Sunday in October. This was October 7th this year. Shabbat Shalom. And what if we were to see it held up by the angels and the entirety of the Bible? I know how long the book of Isaiah would be because we found it intact in the Dead Sea Scrolls, 55 feet long, the Isaiah scroll. So now we have to have uh, 
the entire angels of, of heaven holding it out over in four or five football fields long. And what if we had the time to take it and find the golden thread wending its way through all the peoples of the Bible, all the places of the Bible, until we knew what this young boy w would know if he was reading the Scriptures. And this has been my privilege to study the Bible for all it's worth until I was able to find what I believe is the big one, okay, leading to us today. Psalm 102, verse 15, the nations will fear the name of the Lord, and all the kings of the earth will tremble before your glory. Psalm 105, verse 1, oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make his deeds known among the nations. Psalm 113, verse 3, from the rising of the sun to the place that it goes down, the name of the Lord shall be praised. This is repeated in Malachi chapter 4, verse 11. And Psalm 117, oh, this is a special text. Psalm 117, the shortest book in all the Bible, shortest chapter in all the Bible. We're taking it home with us today. I'm going to say it, and you're going to repeat it after me. Here it is. Praise the Lord, all ye nations. Glorify him, all ye peoples, for great is his love towards us, and his faithfulness endures forever. Praise the Lord. Now, line by line, you're going to take it home with me. Here we go. Praise the Lord, all ye peoples. Glorify him, all ye nations. For great is his love towards us. And his faithfulness endures to all generations. Praise the Lord. That's the entirety of Psalm 117. Do you understand it? Now, it's a great commission text. It's, it's, it's actually a text written by David for the nations. It's, a, it's communicating not to the people of God, but to the non-people of God, giving them this great reason. And I tell you what, there's no other deity that men have ever conjured or that the demons have ever proposed who loves you and who keeps his promises to you and is faithful. This is why we run to the God of the Bible. This is why we wake up and turn from all other false gods. Because this one alone made promises to Abraham, and when he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. And Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. I know the heart of men. One of the things we most want in our lives is to be believed. Not that we're worthy of it. But God is worthy to be believed, and he has put in our hearts, men, the great aspiration that we should be trusted and understood. And when we are trusted by our children, now our grandchildren, then something makes our chests burst. We say, I want to be worthy of this great trust. Well, Jesus Christ trusted his Father and came on mission. The Father sent the Son to the earth, and the Son immediately obeyed. And, and now Jesus Christ has given that same mission to us. Do you trust him? John chapter 20, verse 21, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. I speak to the young people to give up your smaller ambitions and go east and preach the gospel. What if this is the big one? What if this is the great commission for beginning and God's plan to take back his planet from the dark side? one people at a time, one nation at a time, until there shall be a Revelations 22, a happily ever after, a great denouement of history, a gathering such as we've never known or seen. I imagine it's going to be like, like 
a train full of cars that are being added to day by day as more and more peoples come onto the train car. And I know where we're all going to meet. We're all going to meet in the dining car. Oh, yes, we are. Because of the feast verses in the Bible that the Lord has. I'll take the next, next, yeah. My favorite picture, what do you think of this rendering of da Vinci's improvement on the Last Supper? Has this happened yet? Well, yes and no. We just took communion here from all manner of people and all manner of backgrounds, and it's happening all over the, the world today. It can't end like this, partially invited. Here are the, here are the great the great feast texts that I have found in the Bible, all of them are missionary texts when correctly viewed. Listen to this. Isaiah chapter 25, verses 6 through 8. The Lord himself will prepare a feast for all the peoples. What do you think about that? Now he's in the kitchen with the Cuisinart. I know what you like. I got another tray of shrimp coming right now. The Lord himself shall prepare a feast for all the peoples, a feast of meat and wine. On this mountain the Lord will remove the shroud of death that covers the nations and wipe away every tear. Paul quotes that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 55. It's one of the feast texts. Here's another one. Jesus Christ meets the centurion in Matthew, Matthew chapter 8. The centurion says, come and heal my servant. He's sick unto death. And Jesus says, I will go with you. And the man says, no need for you to go. I too am a man under authority. And I know that if you will tell, I know that if I send one, he will go and he will do the mission. So Jesus says, I've never seen such faith in all of Israel. And then this, Matthew 8, 11. Many shall come from east and west and take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Take their places. Take their places. That means assigned seating. That means name tags around every place in the dining car. This is a predestination verse. This is a Presbyterian verse. But the sons of the kingdom will be thrown out where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. Oh, there are more texts which understand that the great feast is coming and we have to make room for more of those train cars. Because look who's coming over the hill now. The least likely peoples in the world from Muslim backgrounds and Hindu backgrounds and Buddhist backgrounds and atheist backgrounds. The, least, the, the ones you raise your eyes at, the ones you roll your eyes at, say, yeah, right. Well, just watch what God's going to do. Because he says in uh, the Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 4, he invites me to his banqueting table because his banner over me is love. And Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice, if anyone hears my voice, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him, and I will eat with him, and he with me. And Luke chapter 14, verse 23, go to the highways and the byways and force them to come in. My table must be filled before the banquet can begin. There are more. If we had time to, if the angels will hold up this scroll long enough, from five football fields down that way to five down that way, we will find the golden thread which wends its way through all the books of the Bible until we are satisfied that this is the big one. This is the one that began at the beginning and never ends till the end. This is the one of which Jesus Christ himself spoke in Matthew chapter 24, verse 14. 
This gospel of the kingdom must be preached as a testimony to all the unreached peoples, and then the end will come. This is the only place in the Bible these six words are used. And then the end will come. I propose to you that of all the important things given to the people of God to do, there is one most urgent. This is where history is going. I must bring them also. They too must hear my voice. So I'm going to make a prediction this morning. Get ready to text your friends. You're going to say you were there when the prediction was first made. What's about to happen in the history of the world? Text your friends. What's about to happen in the history of the world? I'm not a prophet. I'm not the son of a prophet. I'm from a nonprofit organization. <laughs> What's about to happen in history? Unexpected things. There, you heard it here first. But these unexpected things happen through the hand of the one who said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, and there are going to be breakthrough opportunities that didn't exist yesterday and might not exist tomorrow, and you better be there for the moment when the cave of wonders opens, open sesame, a sudden event which we want to be able to walk through and bring the hope of Jesus Christ. That is the way Jesus Christ's missionaries live. My wife and I and our children wanted to get in on this good deal. We sold our possessions and cried to say goodbye at the airport and moved uh, to the Middle East to study Arabic. Before that first year of study was over, Saddam Hussein invaded the neighboring country of Kuwait and an entire uh, eruption of storm and Sturm und Drang occurred in the Middle East. And when that ended in February of 91, the Kurdish people of northern Iraq rose up against Saddam. Rose up against Saddam. This became the end of the Persian Gulf War, but the beginning of Operation Provide Comfort. And my team and I, looking at one another over a table in Jordan, in safety, said, should we go to Iraq? I put a piece of paper on the table. They read it. Should we go to Iraq? They looked at it. They couldn't speak. They it sat there like a ham at a bar mitzvah. <laughs> I said, can we pray? We went to pray, and uh, we waited on the Lord. 30 minutes, 45 minutes without speaking. I do believe in waiting on the Lord. And at the end of the time, it seemed good to us in the Holy Spirit. Yes, we should go. And so the adults on the team went to the airport in the next country, and yump and yimini, we got on a U.S. military helicopter, and and, uh, and were helicoptered into northern Iraq over one of the most closed borders in the world to begin a ministry that would last the next five and a half years and bring about, to our thrill, the first fruits, first fruits of the believers, first believers, first scriptures, and the rest. We would have called those people an unreached people or even unengaged, but today there are many witnesses among the Kurdish people and the Kurdish churches are forming but beyond the Kurds, where Paul was going next, are the regions beyond. And I plead the blood of Jesus Christ for the 100 priority places and peoples in the Muslim world, in the Hindu world, where the frontiers still exist. You want to know where the needs are the greatest? I can help you figure that out. 
as this church has a great tradition of sending and supporting people to the regions beyond. There is a golden thread wending its way through all the places of the Bible until we find that what if this is the big one, the one that brings the whole of the Scriptures together. There are many other things going on in the Scriptures, but this one is the one that repeats itself, never ends, golden thread, Genesis to Revelation. One man who studied the Bible until he discovered the golden thread was the Apostle Paul. When he was Saul, knocked off the donkey on his way to Damascus, Lord, who are you that, uh, who, who is speaking to me? I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. If that wasn't enough to fry his motherboard, the great commission that Jesus Christ gave to Peter, to Paul, uh, was through Ananias three days later in Damascus, Paul, you're going to be my witness to the Gentiles, the unreached peoples, the not, people that are not Jews. This required Paul to go to Arabia for 18 months and to think and to think, and you know what I think he thought about? I think he thought about the Great Commission. Why do I think so? Because when he writes in Galatians and Ephesians and Colossians and Romans especially, he has in mind from beginning to end the Great Commission that is pushing him forward. I am the apostle to the Gentiles, Romans chapter 11, verse 1. Romans chapter 1, verse 5. We have received grace and apostleship in order to bring about the obedience of faith among the unreached peoples. Romans 15, verse 18 and following. I venture to know nothing among you except what Christ, to say nothing among you except what Christ had done to me, to win to the Gentiles to the obedience of faith through word and deed signs and wonders. <clears throat> yes, there's tremendous theology in the book of Romans. It's all there. But it's all there in the context of God's great purposes for the people of God that we live for a larger purpose than our own security. We cannot simply rejoice in our own security while millions perish for lack of knowledge. That is not the way of Christ. That is not the way of discipleship. And in one place, in Romans 15, this guy Paul, he puts it all together. I tell you, he has such command of the Old Testament. And this boy that's holding it up for us in our minds, which we saw, Paul has such command that you, you get the feeling from this text that he, he was pulling from anywhere in the Old Testament that he might show in one concentrated place in Romans 15, chapter 8 and following the Great Commission all at once, and here it is. Here it is. I tell you, Paul says, I tell you Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth by confirming the promises made to the patriarchs so that the Gentiles, the unreached peoples, might glorify God for his mercy. So, before he gets to the Scriptures, which I'm going to quote, Paul has given us the purpose of God among the Jews and the patriarchs, especially, where the promises of God are made in the Old Testament for the purpose of that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. So, I propose to you that the entire of the Scriptures, the Old Testament, as Paul understood it, was for this, so that the Gentiles might glorify God as, for his mercy. As it is written, and then he begins, Rejoice, O Gentiles, among his people. Sing praises to him among his people. That's Psalms verse 18, verse 49. And again it is written, I will sing your praises among the Gentiles. That's Deuteronomy 32, 43. And again it is written, Praise the Lord, all ye Gentiles. Glorify him, all ye nations. That's Psalm 117. 
And again he, he writes, this time referring to Isaiah. Out of the stump of Jesse shall come one who will give hope to the Gentiles, and the, hope, and the Gentiles will hope in him. You get the feeling that Paul could have dwelt on another, another hundred texts, as I have found in the Old Testament, that refer to and emphasize and continue God's purpose for his people, blessed to be a blessing to all the families of the earth. And if you can think of anything better than that, you'll have to tell me, because I can't. No wonder Abraham Coombs said, if God calls me to be a missionary, I would not stoop to be a king. Brothers and sisters, let's study the Bible like Paul did and make the same tremendous discovery he made. There is a golden thread wending its way through all the places in the Bible. That thread is the Great Commission. God has given us to finish the task. The task is never finished for pastor and evangelism, but it is finished for the apostle to the unreached peoples. Paul talked like that. I have no more work for me here. I finished the work of the gospel from Jerusalem to Illyricum, which is Albania today, and I'm going on to the places beyond. Now to the one, this is the ending of the book of, of Romans. Think, think of this. This is how he started with a reference to the obedience of the Gentiles. This is the ending of the book of Romans. You must always see Romans in the context of this Great Commission text, like Paul did. Now to the one who was able to establish you in accordance with my gospel and the proclaiming of Jesus Christ so that all the Gentiles might come to the obedience of faith. He was pretty sure there were people that were more qualified than he. And I suspect you know the same about your own hearts. There is a grace that saves us, that's Ephesians 2.8. There is a grace to go, that's Ephesians 3.8. We have been captured by our, in our imaginations the grace that saved us, and God blessed the gospel that saves us. There is another grace to go, that's Ephesians 3.8. Though I am the very least of the saints, this grace has been given to me to bring to the Gentiles the news of the fathomless rich of, the cry, of Christ. So the least of the saints is the place Paul begins. He was keenly aware and embarrassed by his faults and his sins. I know enough about my heart and life to know that humans would disqualify me from being God's representative, but that's not the way it ends, not with Christ. So I appeal to you not to listen to the demonic side about all the things you've done, all the things you've misspent, all the thoughts you've had. No! The call of God isn't made of such. It is a grace to go. There is a song about this is amazing grace. Sometimes we sing it. I had to rework, re rework the words like this. This is amazing grace that I should leave this place. This is unfailing love that I should need a little shove. That I should know at last why I have been set free. Jesus, I sing the grace to go in me. I went through candidate school for frontiers. I'd already been a pastor for six years. They talked to me like nobody else had ever talked to me. Bob, you're not ready to go to the field until you get some counseling. You're going to work on that anger problem. <laughs> Made me so mad. 
one of those greatest things that ever happened to me. Got the respect of my wife back and my children. If you can think of anything better than that, you'll have to tell me, because I can't. Where are the regions beyond? Do I have another place to look? Ah. Consider Baghdad, where the Garden of Eden was near. The Garden of Eden is long gone. Oh, God, do in, your, in Baghdad what you said would happen in Psalm 22, verses 27 and 28. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. Convert the unbelievers that they might glorify you for his mercy. It cannot end like this, not with the promises of God. What you said would happen in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 14. The earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And if you can think of any ending of the world better than that, you'll have to tell me because I can't. Now, I'll tell you a great truth, maybe the greatest truth. God is working his purpose out as year succeeds to year. God is working his purpose out, and the time is drawing near. Nearer and nearer draws the time, the time that will surely be when the earth shall be filled with the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. From utmost east to utmost west, where human feet have trod, by the mouth of many messengers goes forth the voice of God. Give ear to me, you continents. Ye islands, give ear to me, that the earth may be filled with the glory of God as the waters. You've got you to believe in this great finality, this happily ever after. This Revelation chapter 15, verse 4, all the Gentiles shall come to the Lord. This Revelation chapter 5, verse 9, then I saw a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, language, and people. And from here to that ending, it will need a special effort by a few people that are called by God to leave all that is familiar and not be in church one of these next Sundays. It will need a special calling from God out from the body of believers. We are all called to take back the night. Most of you take back the night in Iowa City and where your family lives. But there are a few who are called to start the, strike the sparks where there is no light, down in the darkness. Then What's written on your Christmas cards will begin to come true. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. Upon those who walk in the shadow of death, upon them a great light has shined. And that has happened in some places and portions of the world. And we are the inheritance of missionaries. Oh, yes, they crossed the Rhine River, or they came to your island, or they fought their way through the swamps and the mosquitoes to find your people and give you the name of Jesus Christ and the love of God. We are the inheritors of missionaries, all of us. And yet there is a region beyond. Psalm 96, verse 3, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. God, do in the Baghdads of the world what you said would happen in Zechariah chapter 8, verse 20 and 22. Many nations will yet come, even the inhabitants of entire cities. The inhabitants of one city shall say to the inhabitants of another, come. 
Let us go and treat the favor of the Lord that we may learn his ways. I am going. That is happening in our day. We call them people movements. Here's another movement text, Isaiah chapter 5, verse 24. Many peoples will hear the Lord's whistle. The Lord will whistle from the ends of the earth and raise up a banner, and they will surely come swiftly. We should be on tiptoes to see what the Lord is going to do next. I brought a train whistle with me today. Should I blow it? In church? This is the end times train whistle. It's the train that's going to say all aboard. We can't blow it yet. Look at all the people that are still coming on board and making their way to the dining car. You'll be astonished. Okay, I'll blow it on one condition. You've got to stand up with me now. Stand up, and we're going to sing Joy to the World, this great, great commission hymn. He rules the world. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. You sing with me, and maybe we will glorify God for his great purposes and call upon him to finish the task through the people of God. Joy to the world, the Lord. All aboard! Get your ticket ready. Prepare him room and heaven and nature sing and heaven and heaven and nature sing. All for thee, high King of glory, all for thee, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever and how long is that? And forever and ever. And when you get done with all the forever and evers, then amen. Amen. Thanks be to God Almighty. Amen.